ever wondered what your spiritual gifts are? What is a spiritual gift? Spiritual gifts are acknowledged as wisdom, knowledge, increased faith, the gifts of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the discernment of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Now, I believe most of these are pulled from the Bible. And to be honest, I'm still not certain what mine are, but I have noticed and interacted lately with others who have the spiritual gift of connecting to angels and spiritual communication. So I'm taking that as the discernment of spirits. In this case today, Debatella is open to sharing her near-death experience and her path to tapping into her intuitive spiritual gifts. Now, I like this story and want to share it with you because when we share stories of how other people do something, then we know how to find and figure out how to do that same sort of thing. So finding and figuring out our spiritual gifts is a fantastic idea because it shines a light into the world. And listening to her story will shine a light on how it happened in her case. So stay tuned to hear her detailed near-death experience and how she figured out what her gifts were and how she learned to manage them. And then she shares three tips, three tips for learning and managing and creating resilient living in our own lives. So stay tuned. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Debatella is the creator of the Sisterhood of What Next Facebook group and also the host of the soon-to-be-released Atella Like It Is podcast. We're interested to see when that comes out. And she is an expert at creating morning routines to set your day up for success and joy and an expert in teaching people how to differentiate between their ego running the show and their soul or higher self coming from a place of intuition and letting that run the show. So today... We are going to have some chat time with her. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast, Deb. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Let's talk where and start where we always do, which is what is your story? In 2005, you had a near-death experience and experiences with seeing family members who had passed away. Can you take us back and, and start us there? Because I think that's foundational for where your story takes you. Absolutely. So back in 2005, I was healthy, vibrant, 36-year-old wife and mom of three little kids. Um, my oldest was in fifth grade, my middle guy was in first grade, and my baby girl was in preschool. I was having some gynecological issues, and I was going to the doctors on a Friday morning, it was January 14th, 2005, for a uterine biopsy. So we wake up in the morning, just like any other day. Everybody goes to school. The boys go to school. I bring the, my daughter to a friend's house who's going to bring her to afternoon preschool, which I was the helping mom that day. So I was going to meet her there, and I go to the doctor's. I have this in-office procedure biopsy done because I was going to have a surgery later. 
I go about my day. I run my errands. I have a normal Friday, right? Have dinner with my husband and kids. We all start watching TV in the family room. My husband is wa- wants to watch something that the rest of us don't. So I say to the kids, let's go get in my bed. So the four of us go and we get in my bed and we snuggle up and we put something on and everybody falls asleep. At some point in the night, my oldest makes it to his bed and the, and the baby, I keep saying, makes it into her bed. So now my middle guy, my first grader is in my bed and my husband's on the sofa. I wake up with a feeling in my stomach, which is going a little bit, little bit TMI, like I had to go to the bathroom. So I go in the bathroom and blood came out. And I was like, oh, why did that happen? What did that doctor do? Did he nick something? Why did blood come back there? What is happening? And I don't think anything else other than I'm going to call him in the morning and I go back to bed. I wake up again in a little while, the same feeling, and I go into the bathroom. The next time I woke up, I was on the floor of the bathroom. And I was like, why am I on the floor? Then I woke up again and I was on the floor of my shower. And Lori, my, my master bath is tiny. It's very, very small. It's this little stall shower sink toilet. Like I can, you can reach everything from whatever you're in, right? So tiny. And I woke up and I was on the floor of the shower and I had fallen through the shower doors. And I realized- And you didn't have any memory of it? No. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, I must have passed out. And there was blood everywhere. Blood just kept pouring out of me, pouring out of me. And so now I realize I must have passed out. I threw, I stripped all my clothes off and threw the shower on to revive myself, to give myself a little energy and to get the blood off of me. There was blood just everywhere. So I threw a towel on and I made it to the top of the steps and I have a center hall colonial. So I made it right to the top of the steps and I went to call for my husband. And what I thought was going to come out was like, Jeff. And what came out was, I was like, oh my God, where's my voice? Where is my voice? And I just kept trying to say his name. And my oldest son heard me and came out and he's like, what's the matter? I said, go get daddy. So he went and he got my husband. I went and sat back in the shower. You know, long story short, I ended up via ambulance um, in the emergency room. So what happened to your voice? I was so weak. I lost almost all the blood in my body. I hemorrhaged out. I just bled out. How are you even staying conscious? I have no idea. Angels is probably how I was staying conscious at that point. Because when I went and sat back in the shower and my husband came into the bathroom, he was like, what's the matter? And he took one look at me and I am very, I'm high strung and my husband is very calm. And he started to freak out and scream for my son to bring him the phone, the cordless phone because it wasn't even like everybody had cell phones then, right? Because so, of the, because the blood was all over the place. It was it looked like a mob hit. There was just blood everywhere all over the bathroom. Now, w- one of the things was I never lose my sense of humor. I was literally dying, but I still have a sense of humor at all times. Our bathroom had just been refinished. The contractors left on December 20 20- Third. This is January 14th. Now it's the 15th because it's the middle of the night. And I'm thinking this couldn't happen before they ripped the bathroom out. Look at this new clean bathroom. And I have to clean all this blood up. And I just kept thinking, how am I going to clean this blood up? And it, it was just everywhere. It had poured, it poured out of my body. It was just 
unbelievable the amounts of blood that came out of me. So what I didn't know was that when my husband got into the um, bathroom, I was blue. I was completely blue. Calls 911. They come. He calls my best friend who lives very close by and my mother. Somebody has to come and stay with these kids, right? Because he's going to come to the hospital with me. My best friend gets there. The police come. Whenever you call 911, they always send the police along with whatever else you need. The police get to me first. Then the paramedics come. They take me out on a stretcher, bring me via ambulance to the closest hospital. Now I'm in the emergency room. And I am all sassy. Like the bed had one of those pads on it. You know how hospital beds do. They have those like chuck pads on the bed and you could tell that someone had sat on it because it was wrinkled. So now I'm on the gurney and I'm like with a death grip. Meanwhile, I was so weak. Like you could have knocked me over with a feather, but I'm holding on as tight as I think I'm I can. And I'm saying, I'm not getting off of this until they put clean sheets on that bed. That bed's not clean. That bed's not clean. And my husband's like, get on the bed, get on the bed. (laughs) And I'm saying it's dirty. And the nurse is like, you have to get on the bed. And the, the EMT said that bed's dirty, change the bed. And he made them change the bed. And then I got in the bed and I'm crying. They're going to make me take my panties off and I'm just going to be in a hospital gown naked. I'm not getting on that dirty bed. They change it. I get on the bed, right? (laughs) So now in and out, doctor, a doctor comes in and it was very strange because if you've ever been in in an emergency department, it's usually like, like bays, right? Or like curtains with people. I was like in this room. It was very strange. And the doctor came in and he said, after examining me a couple times, he said, um, we can't monitor your heart in this room. We need to move you. And we're going to monitor you for a little while. And they're getting a room ready for you in intensive care. And then we're going to take you to intensive care. When he said they were going to take me to intensive care, I sat up in the bed and I said, intensive care? I have to go home. I have little kids. I'm not going to intensive care. And he said, you have to go to intensive care. And I threw up and passed out, threw up all in my hair. My hair was really long all over my husband. And I passed out. What my husband says happened was that I came to, they got me out of bed and they walked me out of the room. I don't know why they would walk me. And he said, I passed out again. When I passed out again, they scooped me up, made him go to the waiting room and they took me away. What I know happened was I threw up, I passed out, and I was in the light. And I was conscious enough that I was like, oh, snap, I'm in the light. I knew (laughs) I was there. (laughs) Isn't it interesting when like spiritual things happen, like you understand and comprehend what's going on just automatically, intuitively? Uh, Absolutely. So I'm in the light in this gorgeous White, it, I can't, white doesn't even describe it. It was like crystally. It was just the most gorgeous light you could ever, ever imagine. And it was the like warmth, like the perfect temperature and love, like just like all encompassing love, like every fiber of my being was love. And over my left shoulder, behind my left shoulder was my cousin, Laura, who was like a sister to me. She died in 1992 in a car accident. We called each other Bud. And there she was in full physical form, her gorgeous self behind my left shoulder. And I was like, Bud, oh, Bud, let me hug you. And I wanted to turn my body to the left and hug her. 
How could you and see she, her if she was behind you? I knew she, it was like, I just knew she was there and I turned my head and saw mm-hmm. her, but she wouldn't let me turn my body. She instantly, as soon as she knew, like I became aware of her, she started to push my left shoulder and push it and push it and push it. And I kept saying, stop it. Stop pushing me. Stop pushing me. I want to hug You're you. You're so let feisty. Me hug you. So always <laughs> sassy. Always, always, always. And I'm like, let me hug you. Let me hug you. Stop pushing me. And she never spoke, but I could see her. Like, you know, as, more, as far as I could turn my head to the left, I could see her and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing until she pushed so hard that then I was sitting up in the bed. And there were people over me saying, lay down, lay down, and pushing me back down. When I laid back down, she was in energy form. She went from being in physical form when I was in the light to now I'm back in the 3D world. And there she is in like a little ball of energy, like Tinkerbell, if you will picture Tinkerbell, flying all around. Do you know what's super interesting about that is our Christmas episode, I spoke with Richard Paul Evans. And when he was uh, traveling around speaking about his books, sometimes when he gives speeches, those little people will see those around him. And and he talks specifically about how many times over the years, you know, just handfuls and handfuls of people have come up and said, what are those that are around you? Or I saw those, or did you know those are there? Mm -hmm. And those sightings of them, and I it was kind of a new thing to me. I don't know that I'd actually talked to somebody before who had had that experience. So now, just a few weeks later, to have you be talking about it and almost explaining what they are, seeing it more from physical into an energetic form, that's super interesting to me. Yes. I was just actually listening to that episode. That's a great episode. Oh, good. <laughs> I loved it. So, so there she was in like energy form, and she would like she would fly past me, and it would actually be like whoosh whoosh, whoosh. Like I could feel the, the air move every time she flew around and she was checking all of the monitors and she kept checking me from head to toe. And I was like, what are you doing? What do you, you don't know any of this stuff. What are you doing? And I'm speaking out loud to her. She's never once spoke to me in any of it. Right. But I knew what she was doing and I knew what she meant. So now they bring my husband back and I'm like, Jeff, Oh my God, do you see her? And he's like, are you all right? What's going on? I'm like, look, 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 look. See Laura, see her, look. And then she's like all over, like me and him. Like, and he's like, Deb, stop talking. They're going to get straight jacket. They're going to put you in a straight jacket. Stop he's talking. Like, Don't go toward the light. Right back here. He's like, she's, you know, thinking I've completely lost it. What is happening? Now I'm having some kind of like psychotic breakdown that I think I'm seeing people. And all he keeps saying is, stop it, stop it, stop it. Shut up, shut up, stop, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. And I won't stop talking about it. So now they take me to intensive care and I go up to intensive care. And now I'm like some kind of like sideshow in intensive care because I'm so young. Right. And I'm like, the nurses are all around my age. Everybody's like a a young mom. And they're all freaked out that this young woman is coming in because mostly everybody else that was on the floor was elderly, you know? So here I come and I have this earth angel of a nurse that's there. And 
she comes in and they bring me in the bed and now Laura's all over the room and she's flying everywhere, whoosh, whoosh, whooshing all over, checking every monitor, checking every inch of the room, checking me from head to toe. And my nurse's name was Maureen and she was talking to me. And I just keep saying to Jeff, do you see her? Do you see her? Did you feel it? Did you feel it? What is she doing? She doesn't know anything. Why is she doing this? And he's like, stop talking, stop talking. Listen to the nurse, stop talking, stop talking. So then, you know, the doctors come in and when the doctor came in, the nurse Marine said to me, you're so lucky because if anybody else from that practice came in, they would have cut you open. And the doctor that I got threw the surgeons out because I was hemorrhaging rectally. They were like, we got to go in, we have to go and see what's happening. And so when the GI doctor came in, the surgeons immediately followed her in and she said, get out and give her a chance. Let her have a chance. Let me see. So then she threw the surgeons out. I'm there. She's explaining to me, I need transfusions. I need blood transfusions. And I'm like, I'm not getting a blood transfusion. I'm fine. I'll be all right. I just need some ginger ale. Like let my, <laughs> I'll make you feel better and I'm going to go home. <laughs> And they're like, no, honey, you are getting, a, you're getting transfusions. And I was like, I'm all right. It's all right. I don't need it. And my husband's screaming, put your arm out. You have to take the blood. And I'm like, I don't know whose blood it is. Why don't we get some people we know to donate? And then I'll take like my mom's blood or your blood. And then we'll be okay and save that blood for somebody else in the blood bank. And he's like, put your arm out. So I instantly have two transfusions, but right before they give me the transfusions, I realize that my father-in-law who passed in 2000 and my brother-in-law who passed in 91 are sitting in my room in full physical form. So Laura's there the whole time. She's in a little energy ball. My father-in-law and my brother-in-law are there in full form sitting on the windowsill. So now I'm like, Jeff, do you see your dad and brother? And he's just like, you know, the poor guy, you know, is his wife going to live? Is she going to die? And is, or did she just lose her mind on top of everything else? Right. You know, when you're in a life or death situation and you're there in the hospital and you start seeing dead people, that's really, really alarming because that's usually what happens before people die. Exactly. So now I have transfusions. I had to have nuclear studies done. I had a colonoscopy and endoscopy. That's real fun doing the prep for that. While you're not allowed out of bed, that nurse, I swear, when I hit it big one day and big time money comes in my life, I will send her something so spectacular. It will knock her socks off. And and then I had two more transfusions. So I had four transfusions in 24 hours with less than 24 hours. I had four transfusions. Um, well, how long did you see the, the family members? So I saw them, I got into the intensive care on Saturday and they were there until Wednesday night. They just hung out with you the entire time. So what happened, Laura stayed with me nonstop. Anytime my husband was in the room, which was, would be like all day until, until he couldn't stay anymore. And then he would leave at night. As long as he was in the room, my father-in-law and brother-in-law were in the room. So it was very clear to me, they were there to support him and she was there for me. 
Not that they weren't there to watch out for me as well, but they were like extra support for him. How wonderful. Okay. So what did this teach you or how did it change you? It is very interesting because, you know, people are like, were you surprised that they were there? Not one bit. I was not one bit surprised that I was in such danger that they showed up in life. If they would have been alive and I was in some form of danger, they would have showed up for me. So it was just, of course they came, of course they're here. Um, I also wasn't, it wasn't a shock to me that I was able to see them either. I always, all of them could feel them. I could always feel energy. I just always knew things that maybe I shouldn't, you know, people would say, oh, you could never have known that. Or why, how would you be able to feel that? So I've, I've always had those abilities. Um, and I shut them down because I would get in trouble for them when I was a kid, when I would voice things that I felt or that I just knew about people or that I just knew was going on or going to happen. And Give me an example of that real quick. So like if I knew somebody was lying, or I knew that somebody was going to ask my parents for money, or I knew that somebody was like an unsavory character. And it was always family, like family members. I knew, you know, because that when you're a kid, that's the majority of the people that you're around, right? Or your parents, friends, or whatever. I always knew who was up to no good and who wasn't. So um, what do you call that? Is that like an intuitive spiritual yes. gift? And it was Intuition. just- it was just something that you had, because you got in trouble for it, you sort of suppressed it. And then after Absolutely. this happened. So even after this happened, I, you know, I always, you know, you would get these gut feelings, you know, you, you get these little inklings like this is for me or this isn't for me, or is it for me? Am I crazy? Am, is my ego saying it? Or is my like higher self saying it? Where is this coming from? And I would question it all the time. And I questioned it after that too, for a little bit. And I was very upset. I felt like my body turned on me and why I hemorrhaged was I had heel spurs and plantar fasciitis and I was taking prescription medication for it, which I never take anything like not even Tylenol aspirin. I wasn't you know, I just wasn't that kind of person that went right to taking something. But I was in such excruciating pain for, for months that I was taking this medication. It was being pulled off of the shelves, off, you know, recalled. And my doctor told me to take an over-the-counter pain reliever and to take double the dose. And that would be considered the prescription dose. So within two weeks of taking this over-the-counter pain reliever, reliever, double the dose, it caused the hemorrhage. It caused the GI bleed. So when I had the um, colonoscopy and endoscopy in the hospital, it was all clear. I was fine, but I just was so angry. Like my body turned on me. I was really fit. I was really healthy. I had just become a spinning instructor. I was on my way to being a personal trainer. Um, And I was like in the great physical shape. Why would this happen to me? And I was so mad about it because I was knocked out of the game. It took almost a whole year for me to recover, for me to really fully return back to myself. And over that year, all these major women in my life died. While I was in the hospital, my, my favorite great aunt died. Um, then my godmother died. My cousin, Laura, who was there, her grandmother that we didn't share died. And I had loved her my whole life. Then my grandmom, Clara, died, who was my main person in life. And then my other grandmom died. So in the year that it took me to recover, all these women died. And I just kept getting like hit hard 
right? And I was like, what is happening in the world, in my life? And I was really angry. And at the five-year mark, I had to have a repeat colonoscopy. And when I had the repeat colonoscopy, they found precancerous polyp. So that hemorrhage saved me from colon cancer. I had the hemorrhage when I was 36. I had the repeat colonoscopy at 41. You normal, normally, you don't get a colonoscopy until you're 50. So from somewhere from 36 to 41, I developed a precancerous polyp. I would have ended up with colon cancer by the time I had a routine right? Right. scan. or So then I started to see the hemorrhage as a gift. And I was like, okay, where, what's in here for me? This is, was a gift. What am I supposed to learn from it? What am I supposed to know from it? And I just started to listen to it. And somewhere along the way I had started to meditate and I started to meditate and get Reiki every few weeks. So Reiki is energy healing. And I would go regularly, like every two, every two, three weeks, I would go and meet this woman and we would, she would lead me through a guided meditation and do Reiki. She was incredible. And I started to pay attention more to my intuition because I was in a business situation where I knew I shouldn't be. And that I knew that I made the wrong decision. I knew that my gut, my angels, my inspiration, my intuition, whatever, told me not to do it. And I didn't listen because I was mistaking it for fear versus my intuition telling me not to do it. So that really started to make me become aware of listening to myself and not and starting to hone that skill. And then I went on to learn different forms of meditation, transcendental meditation, and I would meditate, but not consistently. And in around 2017, I was really unsatisfied with my life. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing with my life here? And I decided that if I would meditate every single day, the answers would come to me. Just something in me was like, you need to meditate, do it every day. So I made a deal with myself because I was like, I'm a quitter. I even quit life for a little bit. The only thing, two things in my life I didn't quit was my marriage and school. And I tried to quit school, but my parents won't let me. So, (laughs) you know, I was like, all right, I quit everything I try. What am I going to do? I made a deal with myself that I was going to meditate every day for a year, even if it was just for one minute, I was going to do it. And I did. And during that year that I started to do that, I met this woman, Sally, who was a friend of the woman that I originally was meditating with, Allie. So I meet Sally and Sally is a Reiki master, a, um, a spiritual teacher, a guide, a coach, um, you know, and I meet Sally and I start to get energy work and coaching with her regularly. And it starts to open up my intuition. And I learn how to listen to okay, that's just my fear and my ego screaming at me. My higher self, my intuition doesn't sound like that. This is what it sounds like. It's soft. It's gentle. It's firm, but it doesn't yell and it doesn't freak out and it's not in a panic. And she, you know, she started to really work with me to bring out my healing, um, gifts and bring out all my spiritual gifts. She helped me wake them back up because I had denied them for so, so, so long. And that just kept leading me here. We're going to take a break real quick and hear from our sponsor.
This show is brought to you by the 21 Challenges Group Platform. If you are a leader of a group, any type of group, book club, network marketing, employee group, a youth group, a friend group, and you're in need of a fun, fresh, positive way to connect during this disconnected time, we've got an online program that'll create fun, stretching connection and engagement with your team. Your team will get a fully immersive platform for the 21 challenges and weekly coaching with Lori Lee as we spend three weeks creating awesome possibility. Loveyourstorypodcast.com and look for the group link. Okay, we're back. So, Deb, tell me, how did you embrace those spiritual gifts then that you are just getting in tune with? So, I had run from them for so long, and I am what I would call a big chicken. I am very easily scared. I am 52 years old, and I will sleep with the light on. Um, So, I was very scared of, was I going to see things I didn't want to see? And was I going to feel things from people that I didn't want to feel, right? Now, I had always been able to walk in the in a room. And you know, like when you walk in some place and somebody will say, oh, you can cut the tension with a knife. The tension was so thick in that room. So I could always pick up on whatever it was, tension or if it was really light or anywhere in between. But I didn't realize that that was part of any kind of intuition. I, I, I didn't, I don't know what I thought that was, but I never connected it. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm picking up on people's emotions and, and the things that people are feeling in this room. That's what that is. So then at first I was very resistant until I realized like, and, and until I learned, you know, I don't have to agree to anything I don't want to. I can set the rules. I am available for this, this, and this. I am unavailable for that, that, and that. You just let spirit know what you're available for and what you're not available for. Okay, so just to get this straight, you, your spiritual gifts revolve around, number one, intuition for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got this, this clarity and sense of intuition that guides you. And then you've also got an ability that's very sensitive and empathic like being able to yes. feel the emotions of others. Yes. And then it sounds also like the opportunity to see people who had passed away that you had in the hospital was also something that was becoming more normal, yes. more natural for you. So you were right. engaging with that on more of a regular basis. And so now you're setting boundaries and finding that the spirits will obey those boundaries. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, they call them the clairs, like everybody knows about clairvoyance. So this, you know, spiritual sight, um, there's clairsentience, like, um, you know, claircognizant, I mean, claircognizant, you know, clairsentience, you feel clairaudient, you hear, and some, you know, one are stronger than the other. Everybody has them. It's just knowing what to do with them and knowing how to, um, tap into them. Right. So, I had been able to hear all along and didn't even know that that's what it was. That's what it was. Because all I ever knew was, all I had ever really heard of was clairvoyance. Yeah. Anytime something that comes natural to us, like people who are naturally musically inclined think that everybody sort of has that. (laughs) You know, the things that are natural to us, we don't know are extraordinary. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And then Sally just kept helping me to bring them out, to bring more out and to bring like, you know, so being able to see or hear from past on loved ones, mediumship, right? And so every time I would think of a medium, I would think of Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Right? And I'm like, I don't want to be Otome Miller. I don't want people like Otome Brown. I don't want people coming at me and and yelling in my ear and telling me to tell their, you know, their loved ones this. She's like, you're not available for that. I'm like, you're right. I'm not available for it. You know? So when I'm available for things, I'm available for them during working hours. And in non-working hours, I'm not available for certain things. (laughs) So how do you take these spiritual gifts and transition it into what you're doing now? Clearly, you've embraced them. And we're on here talking about how you teach resilience and transitional skills Mm -hmm. and the platforms and stuff that you're working with. So how do you integrate these spiritual gifts with those things that you um, are now sharing? So everybody wants... Everybody wants to know, like, how do I know? How do I know it's like my, my, you know, my intuition or my higher self and not my ego. And so everyone that I have worked with, it's the same thing. Our ego is driven by fear. Now we need our egos because they keep us safe. It lets us know we don't, we can't fly off of, you know, a 10 story building or, you know, we're not, we put clothes on. We're not walking around outside naked in the freezing cold. Some people are, but we're not, Um, you know, so we need our egos, but they need to be in check. So every single person that I have worked with, your ego is loud and bossy and panicky and yelly, and it will holler at you, will yell at you. Anything that's coming soul wise, you know, from our higher selves, I'm going to use the word God, people use spirit or universe, the divine spirit. It's like almost a whisper. Sometimes it's so soft. It's almost a whisper. It can be very firm, like no, but it's still soft. It's never going to yell. And it's when you question it, it doesn't argue back. That's the main thing. You know, like when you're like, should I do this or not? Well, I don't know. What do you think? We'll do it now. This could happen. It never gives you the list of what ifs or the pros and cons. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm trying to tune in and be more... Um, I don't figure out really exactly what you're talking about. When when am I being guided and when am I just in my own head? And that's a that's a tough thing to kind of sort through for some of us. Absolutely it is. Yes. I had, you know, it was not easy when I was trying to figure it out either because I would, you know, think, what, is that me? Is it just my fear? I have to do this because I'm just scared to do it. But no. Should I do it? Is this really going to work out the best for me? I'm familiar with that question. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you're going to embark on something and it's outside of my comfort zone, then of course there's there's that fear and that discomfort. And I'm thinking, is that something I need to break through or is that an indicator that I shouldn't go down that path? Right. And that's where I think most people get mixed. That's where most people get tripped up because- just because you know you end up knowing, and I'm doing quotation marks, is something for you, it still can be scary. But the voice isn't going to yell at you, and it's not going to argue and fight and, and, and be so pushy. So is that primarily what you help people do? Do you coach? I do coach. I am a coach. Okay. Yes. And do you coach? Are you an intuitive coach? Like you teach people how to tune into their intuition? Both. So some people are not interested at all. 
in the the woo-woo side of anything, although most people that come to me are, the majority of people are. Um, but, you know, when I let them know up front, yes, I am, things might come out that you are like, well, how did she know that? Or why did she say that? Or, and I'm not psychic. I'm not going to say I'm psychic because that's, you know, puts a whole nother picture in people's heads, you know, but you're, if you talk to somebody and they're bare in their soul, I'm listening for what they're not saying mm. is what I'm doing. I'm listening to what they're not saying and what, and you know, they could be saying like the happiest thing in the entire world, but none of what they're projecting body wise or energy wise and the way they're holding themselves is projecting anything happy. Mm. So it's a story. So if people don't believe in intuition, do, do mm -hmm. you coach on other things or it's just primarily around that? No, no, I coach, uh, I'm a life coach. So okay. you're, you need business ideas, you're stuck, you're trying to move forward, you need to be held accountable. I do it all. Plus I do energy work. I do energy healing and clearing. Mm -hmm. As we close out the podcast, we want to get some tips from you. If you were teaching us resilience or transition skills as we work on change in our lives, what, what three tips would you give us? So first of all, I would say be kind to yourself. Give yourself a break. We're so hard on ourselves, right? And we're like, oh, I can't figure this out. Why is this happening to me? Just breathe, you know, just breathe and just trust that whatever's meant for you, you can't miss out on whatever's meant for you. It's, mm. It might repeat again. It's going to come back around. If it's meant for you, you can't miss it. That's very and comforting. It is, right? And when I fully embrace that myself, I stop worrying about, it. Oh, should I do this? Should I not do that? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm, I, I, I hear the whisper, I'm going to do it, and it's meant for me. And if, if it's not the right time, like, you know, there's been times that, you know, I haven't been able to be a guest on a podcast, but I really wanted to. Well, if it's meant to be, it's going to come back around. And mm. then, you know, it has come back around or not. It just depends. So I would say, just give yourself a break. Stop fighting with yourself so much. Give yourself a little bit of silence every day. And I know that's like triggering for a lot of people. And I'm not even saying you have to meditate, although I'm such a you know big advocate for meditation. But meditation gets a bad rap because it gets, you know, all of the um the myths about it. Everybody, you know, thinks you have to sit in like lotus with your legs crossed and hold your fingers a certain way in a mudra, or you know, you have to be able to, you know, stop all your thoughts. You'll never stop all your thoughts. But if you could just give yourself a minute in silence where you're not on your phone, you're not scrolling social media, you're not reading anything, you're just really there for yourself or you're just focused on what you're doing. Maybe you're drinking a cup of coffee and you're just quiet. Be mindful. Enjoy the coffee. Practice little tiny bits of mindfulness and silence. So because is that tip number two? Yeah, tip? I would say okay. that's tip number two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Start to practice silence. Because all the answers come in the silence. Okay, I'll totally second that because, well, first of all, I love the first tip because so often we are the hardest on ourselves and, you know, we drive ourselves. So that compassion, yes. even just the compassion of 
I'm okay. And if I make a mistake or life doesn't turn out how I want, or I don't get something I thought I deserved, it's okay. You know, I'm yes. not, I'm not a failure. Walking forward with ourselves down the path of life with compassion. We need to be our own best cheerleaders, our own Absolutely. love ourselves first. And then the second tip there, that silence, I will like, I also have trained in transcendental meditation. And I find that when I take that 20 minute stop, you do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 mm-hmm. minutes in the afternoon. And I'll just be, you know, going gangbusters and think, oh, I don't have time to do this, but I'm, you know, I'm really worn down. I need to stop. And when I stop and get in that silent place, what happens is that things that needed to come out that were being pushed back because of everything on my list of things to do, they float their way forward. And I'm like, oh yeah, I really mm-hmm. need to pay attention to that thing. So like exactly what you said, stuff bubbles up. It okay. just bubbles up. Yep. And, tip and number so, three. Tip number three, gratitude. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And I don't mean gratitude as like a spiritual bypass where you're like, I'm so grateful for everything. I'm so grateful I have this. I'm so grateful for that. Take time. I start every morning and I start every day and end every day with gratitude. As soon as I open my eyes and I have to train my, I had to train myself to do this because I wasn't a morning person and I turned myself into a morning person. And then I turned myself into a not grouchy morning person. (laughs) Great, great idea. Right? (laughs) And then I turned myself into a really grateful, can't wait to do this stuff in the morning person. Okay. So the second that I open my eyes, I'm like, thank you. Thank you that I opened these eyes this morning. Thank you that I see the sun or the rain or the fog or the whatever. I can see it. Thank you. So practice gratitude. Really like what in your life is, is, is so special or, or what in your life makes such a difference? Express some form of gratitude for it, right? Even if it's just like, thank you, or if you write down three things and it, I don't know if you ever read the book, The Magic by Rhonda Byrne. Oh yeah, of course. Right? <laughs> yeah. So the 28 days of gratitude, that mm-hmm. book is just incredible. And in it, she's like every day, write down 10 things that you're grateful for, why you're grateful for them. They go then go back and read them and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. After every single one of them. And when I started to really think about why am I grateful for this? Okay. This is why I'm grateful for it. All right. Then it deepens it. And I'm able to find different things to be grateful for, even things that weren't or aren't so, um, favorable or juicy and delicious, right? Because not all of your life is happy and juicy and delicious. There's some, you know, mundane things and then there's some rotten things. Um, but what I have found is, and I, and, and I have like, I'm, I've had a lot of trauma in my life. Um, but what I have found is when I look back at those things, they've all brought me to here. The fact that I've been able to navigate my way through them things I thought I would never survive and get through, right? Um, Or that I would be ever be able to talk about and not cry my face off, you know? Or hyperventilate if somebody brought it up and I had to admit to something. Um, That I've been able to do that and transition through them is just a testament that you can too. And you may need help. You might need the help of a doctor, a psychologist, a coach, depending on what it is that you've been through, but there's help out there. 
Mm, absolutely, Deb. And thank you so much for those tips. Those are fabulous. And I'm totally on board with them. I do my gratitudes um, every morning when I'm walking my dog and, and often wake up to them too. Like there's mm-hmm. a, there's a little mantras that I use, but I look well, every day I really enjoy doing gratitudes about the normal things. Like, thank yes. you that the sky is blue. I love the blue sky because oftentimes it's overcast. And when it's not, I'm like, yeah, I love that. Thank you. So they don't have to be yes. big. It's it's all nope. the things that just make life lovely. Absolutely. Thank you for these sneakers that are like cushy and comfortable and I yes. just love them or this blanket that's soft and warm and I'm, you know, cuddled totally. up right now or this, you know, water is so refreshing, whatever, just little tiny things. Yeah. And it starts to open your eyes to other things. There's magic and miracles everywhere. It's just, are we open to seeing them? Oh, what a beautiful note to end on. Our time is up. Tell the listeners how they can get hold of you if they want to work with you more or find out more what you're doing. Yes. So um, my website is DebraAtella.com. I am on Instagram at DebraAtella. And I have a Facebook group called Sister. Sisterhood, oh my God, I'm stumbling. Sisterhood of What Next. Um, my podcast, A Tell It Like It Is, will be out. I thought it would be out before the end of the year. We're at the end of the year, Lori, as we're recording this. It'll be out in January. Awesome. Well, and by the time this airs, it will already be out. So yes. We're set. And um, thank you so much for being here today. And all of her contact information will be on the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com. So you can go there also to get those links. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Absolutely. Be compassionate with yourself. Find stillness and stay in gratitude. These tips are so beautiful for living well. Your challenge this week is to find spaces to implement these three tips in your own life, perhaps as you love on yourself and sit still and listen with gratitude, you will find a greater recognition of your own spiritual gifts. It's also said that we can ask for spiritual gifts. We can seek after the ones that we want. Seek diligently, the Bible says. So that's a little something to think about. The world needs powerful, gifted souls to walk with light and to shine that light on the world. So if you feel that call, know that you can seek for and develop your own spiritual gifts. Give it a shot. And remember, call to action in 2021. It's the year of the 21 challenges group style. So if you are the leader of any type of group, sign them up now for a three week ride of connection and fun during this time that we so badly need it. Go to loveyourstorypodcast.com for more information. Click on the sign up your group link and it'll give you all the details. We'll see you in two weeks on the next episode.